I was going to say you can be seated, but it looks like you know that already, so I'll, uh, <clears throat> I'll save that one. It takes everything in me not to just say, Zach, run it back. I mean, I could just sit in that for another 30 minutes, but at some point, I guess we have to uh, continue on. My name is Michael Darbuz. For those who I haven't met, I have the joy of being able to say that I'm one of the pastors of this great faith family. <laughs> it's, uh, it is humbling. I had to ask uh, our household, at least some of them, to move to the front row so that uh, while the eppers are gone, it doesn't feel like I'm having to jump over to get to the, uh, to the rest of the people. So we're, we're just keeping the seat warm. We're not taking over. Well... <laughs> A slight takeover, but not a full one. No, but we're, uh, we're excited to be here with you today uh, and sharing from the Word of God. As we're going through the summer, we'll have some guest preachers coming in and, and preaching the Word of God and, and just helping us to go deeper and, and grow in our love for Jesus. I'll have a few Sundays uh, where I'll be able to share the Word with you, but not as much as I'll have in the future just because my heart's desire is to really sit and meet with every covenant member. So I plan on being real busy uh, during the month of July eating dinner at your home. So I have no... <laughs> No tension inviting myself over for a meal, just in case you were wondering. I don't do spicy, but anything else I'm good with. Uh, so when you get that email, do not delete, accept, and let me come over and get to know you a little bit more. Uh, one thing that you'll learn about me is uh, I, I wouldn't refer to myself as a preacher's preacher. I'm really a teacher at heart uh, with maybe a... a extra hint of passion at times, but it's, it's my heart's desire that we would know God and love him. And I believe that the only way to do that is to dive deeper in his word. So if you have pen and paper, I'm good with that. If you take notes on something else, let the Lord use you. If you want to give an amen or a high five, you better shut your mouth, Michael. That was good kind of a thing every now and then. I'm good with that too. Just let the Lord use you. But I really desire to know God, to love him. And, and what I've learned over the years is that in order to do that, we have to go deeper into his word. And so I'm a passionate preacher, and I pray that the Lord would use me for his glory and for our growth. So the next two times that I stand with you, I think it's a, a slide. You may have seen this. Our mission for Risen Church is making disciples because he lives. Now, many of you may be familiar uh, with the passage of Scripture that that comes from. Uh, we'll be there today, Matthew 28, uh, what's referred to as the Great Commission. But I don't take it for granted that everybody understands what it means to make disciples because he lives. And so for the next two Sundays that I stand before you, we'll be looking to unpack Matthew 28. Now, when the Holy Spirit placed this on my heart, I was like, well, breaking that in half. Like, well, we have enough to really fill the time. And like, after this week, I'm like, all right, maybe this should be four sermons because there's a lot to unpack. Uh, so this week, what we'll be looking at is witnessing to the lost, Matthew 28, looking at 18 and 19a. And then the next time I stand before you in July, we'll be looking at the second half and talking about walking with the found. So making disciples is really a twofold process. And we want to make sure that we understand that so that when it comes time to stand before God and give an account, we could say, yes, Lord, we have fulfilled the mission. So that's where we're going to be. So if you want to turn to Matthew 28, you can. 
being that this is home, I'm just going to do what the Lord placed on my heart. And just so you all know, I, I always feel a weight when I stand before God's people with the word. And sometimes, at least what I've been told is that I seem to be very confident and comfortable. I'm not. I have what's called the Thompson T-shirt. It has these extra thick pads so that I don't sweat through. Uh, if we didn't have the camera, I'd really feel comfortable with that because this is family, but it's the truth. But I just feel this weight. And so what I feel in my heart, I'm going to do now, but I don't want it to seem anything other than what God has just placed in my heart. So I'm going to pray, and I ask that you would pray with me. And, yes, I'm going to do this every time that I stand. So we'll just get used to it, right, because I genuinely believe that if I say something, it might sound good. But if God doesn't say something, it won't be good to our souls. And we don't need more information. We need transformation. And in order to experience that, we need Jesus. I can't do it. You can't do it. But God can and he will. So I'm going to take the posture that I see in my head and in my heart. And I ask that you would join me in a word of prayer. Father, we come humbly before your throne of grace. Lord, knowing that no one could understand your word if you don't reveal it. And so, Lord, it's not because there's some great expositor that is before us or that might come, but it's only because we believe that you speak to and through people so that your word might be known. So, Father, for these next few moments that we have together, would you truly be magnified? Would you speak to our hearts a word that will train us, that will teach us, that will correct us, that will rebuke us, that will allow us to go deeper in your love so that we would not leave this place the same. We need you, God. We need you. And we trust that you'll move. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And we thank you, Lord. Amen. And amen. Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20 reads. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, this final commission that Matthew shares in this letter that he wrote to believers is one, again, that we are likely familiar with. But if we're truly going to understand this final commission, we must look at the first commission and the ensuing conversation that Matthew recorded, which we can find in Matthew chapter 10. Because if we don't look at the first commission, we won't have context that will allow us to understand this final commission and what truly makes it so great. And so I'm going to cherry pick a few verses from chapter 10 with the full understanding that for those of us who have a Bible, that we will go back during this week and read through all of Matthew chapter 10. 
If I start to find out that that's not happening, I'm going to read all of Matthew 10. And I'm just going to say, turn that clock off, and we're just going to go in for however long it takes, because I have a lot of reading to do. You may not be familiar with the Old Testament, but I'm going to have an Ezra moment. For those who understand what I'm talking about, it's going to be a long day. <clears throat> right? So I'm trusting that you will read through Matthew chapter 10. So I'm going to cherry pick a few verses here just so, again, we can understand the first commission and the ensuing conversation that will help give us context to the final commission and why it's so great. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And he called to him, this is Jesus, his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Verses 2 through 4 tell of the 12 disciples that he called. One of who were there was Matthew and another that was there was Peter. And we'll uh, look at Peter a little bit later uh, in Acts chapter 10 when we turn over to there. Jumping down to verses 5 through 8, this is the first commission that Jesus gives to these 12 apostles that he gave them authority for. Verse 5 reads, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Jesus sends these 12 disciples out, letting them know what they are to do. They are to proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven is at hand and where they are to go to the lost sheep of Israel. And then we could jump over to verses 16 and see that this ensuing conversation, Jesus gives some information to the disciples of what is to happen in the future. He tells them, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. In verse 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. You have got to be God for this to be your sales pitch. Like, all right, Lord, so you lost me at beating, killing, and dragging. I, but I'll talk to you next week. But they stuck with Jesus, and they walked with him, and they knew that it was clear that they were to be witnesses, sharing what they have seen and heard. And Jesus lets them know that this is what the world did to him, and his disciples are not better than he is, so they can expect the same treatment. And then we look down at verses 26 and 27. So he says, Jesus, so have no fear of them, those who are going to beat you, kill you, drag you before the governors and kings. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And Jesus lets us know that by doing this, disciples will be made. Tells us in verse 40, whoever receives you, whoever receives the word that the 12 disciples are preaching and teaching and believe it, they receive me, Jesus says. 
And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. So as the disciples are going and proclaiming this good news to the lost, whoever believes this and receives this will become followers, disciples of Jesus. And by becoming followers, disciples of Jesus, then they would also become sons and daughters of God the Father. This is what the disciples understood after the first commission and the ensuing conversation. But now as we look at the final commission, there was a significant shift. See, the disciples understood when Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. Oh, we got that. We've been sent out with authority to proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. To say what we have heard in the dark, share that. What has been whispered, proclaim on the housetops. We got it. And as people come to receive and believe this, they will be disciples. All right, Lord, we got you. Go, therefore, and make disciples. But see, now there was a significant shift in this final commission. It was different than the first commission. The first commission, they were told to not go to Gentiles or to the Samaritans, but only to the lost sheep of Israel. But now Jesus is telling them to go to all nations. What changed that now Jesus in this final commission would change the location for where they are to take this good news? Well, Jesus was willing to die, be buried, and in three days rise again with all power in his hand. And soon after this final commission, he would ascend to glory. And now Jesus is letting his disciples know all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me because I have defeated sin, death, and the grave. I've died for the sins of the entire world. And so now because that has happened, this great commission is being inaugurated. Go to all the nations, Samaritans, to the end of the world, Jesus said, and share this good news. Now, the disciples would have been clear again on going therefore and making disciples. But when Jesus said all nations, that's where they paused and said, excuse me? Now, when you said all nations, do you mean like all nations or all nations? Like what, what exactly are you talking about here? They were a little confused in what God was really calling them to do. And we could see that by looking at Acts 10. Now, again, disclaimer. I am not going to read through all of Acts 10 with the understanding that you will later in this week. So your homework already, and we haven't even finished just yet, Matthew 10 and Acts 10. Read it and be blessed because the word of God is good all by itself. But I'm going to cherry pick some of chapter 10. And just because I love the word of God, there is a section of it that I, I just have to read uh, because it's a blessing to my soul, and I believe that it'll bless ours as well. But I'm going to high-level overview Acts 10. Here in verse 1, we see that this centurion soldier of the Italian cohort, Cornelius, who is a devout lover of God, receives this vision from God to send some people to call Peter, one of the 12, which then was also one of the 11, who heard this final commission, this great commission, to have him come and share the gospel. And so Cornelius goes and does that. 
He sends some people over to get Peter. The next day, the scripture tells us is Peter has this vision of this scroll coming down from heaven, and he sees all these unclean animals. Verse 12 tells us, in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. Verse 13, and there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened two more times. And Peter was confused. Like, what does that mean? And just as only God can do, a knock comes on the door and says, hey, excuse me, we're looking for uh, Peter. He's like, huh, that's me. What's going on down there? And Peter gets a word from the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 19 if you have your Bibles, Acts 10. And while Peter was pondering the vision, confused by it, the Spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation. For I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they let him know that we have come so that you can share with us all that Jesus entrusted to you. So Peter goes and he takes a few of uh, the Jews with him to go and meet Cornelius and see what Cornelius needs. And, And we see verse 28 and 29 after Cornelius grabs a group of people. That uh, could come and sit and hear what God is going to speak through his servant Peter. It says, and he said to them, you yourselves know, this is Peter talking to Cornelius and his, his group, how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them, why you sent for me? Peter, as a Jew, makes it very clear, I'm not supposed to be with you. I'm not supposed to associate with you, much less be in the same room as you. And the only reason why I came is because the Spirit said, go without hesitation. If it wasn't for that, there's no way that I stepped foot into a room with a Gentile. And just so that we can have context, the word Gentile uh, simply stated means a non-Jew. And it actually became synonymous with a sinner because if you weren't a Jew, clearly you were a pagan was the thinking. So they weren't to associate with non-Jews. And here Peter is in a room telling others that I'm not supposed to be here. So what do you need? But hold on, Peter, were you not with Jesus back on the mountain in Galilee when he said all nations? Like, did you, did you, Italy is a nation. It, it falls under all. Like, did you miss the, the, the translation there? No, it just, it was unheard of. It was something that was far outside of their thinking. They still could not comprehend the idea of going to all nations. So it took a vision. It took the Holy Spirit. It took a move of God, which we're going to read here in just a moment, before the light went off like, oh, you meant all nations. Yes, Peter, that's what I meant. So I'm going to read a little bit here, verses 34 through 45. I believe it will come up on the screen. Sometimes I don't know all that I'm going to read because of the interest of time, but this one I felt... I'm going to read. So it may come up on the screen. 
There it is on the screen. All right, so I'm going I'm to read Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 45. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us, that final commission, to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, I love a Holy Spirit interruption. I, I wouldn't mind that happening at any point that I'm preaching. Just go ahead, Holy Spirit. Just wipe them all out. I mean, just a beautiful moment right here that I picture in my head. I mean... <clears throat> In a beautiful way, of course, not that you're wiped out in a bad way. While Peter was still, you get the point, was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, the Jews, who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on Gentiles. Even on the Gentiles. They were amazed seeing this happen. So Peter had no expectation of a mighty move of God. He went in obedience, and rightfully so, because the Spirit said, go without hesitation. And when he got there, he's like, okay, so I'm supposed to preach the gospel to you, so I'm going to do that. And then when he sees the Holy Spirit move like he would have seen on the day of Pentecost, he's like, whoa, it's happening here too? In a place that we aren't even supposed to visit, much less associate with you? All right. This is amazing. Now, again, I understand my prayers that we get some context so that we can understand really the greatness of this final commission because it wasn't supposed to go out. The disciples thought that it was going to be this enclave of Jews that were just hanging out, having a holy huddle, and we were going to go to Jerusalem and Judea and just have a good time, and that the kingdom was going to be given to Israel, and we were going to wipe Rome out and rule and reign. Let's go, Jews. That was the thinking. And it's like, wait, God, you, you want to expand? No context for that. And so to see the Holy Spirit move that way on Gentiles, I don't know what you could think of that you could never possibly imagine the greatness of God moving in, but picture that and know that that's really small because God has done, can do, and will do even greater things. That's what we're talking about here. Peter now goes back to Jerusalem and shares what happened, and there's 
even more shock and awe amongst all the Jews. Chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. Now these are the Jews who actually did believe in Jesus, but they also said you needed to have circumcision. You needed to follow the law. Right, we just were talking about that as we walked through uh, the book in Galatians, the book of Galatians. So here we see that the circumcision party was criticizing him. What are you doing visiting and associating with Gentiles? Do you know that we're not supposed to do that? Yeah, yeah, I know, but hold on. Give me a moment. Here's what they were saying. You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them, but Peter began and explained it to them in order. Let me tell y'all what happened. Scroll rolls down. Animals never ate who eat. Okay, going. Don't hesitate. Go to the, okay, going. I just started saying some things. I wouldn't even expect anything to happen. Holy Spirit did something completely different, mind-blowing, and that's where we get to verse 16. See, you need to read chapter 10. That didn't know justice. That was the summarized version. Verse 16 through 18. And I remembered after seeing the Holy Spirit come down on these Gentiles, the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then... God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, got no more argument, and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This great commission led to a great gift that Gentiles, non-Jews, which I'm going to go on a limb here and say 99% of us in here fall under what would have been considered the Gentile category, were able to receive the gospel and repentance that leads to life. And so now this great gift we are walking in, we are experiencing the fullness of, but just so that we're clear, this great commission that led to a great gift also brings about a great responsibility. But because of this gift, before we talk about the responsibility, let me make sure that we understand what this gift was and exactly what it did. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. This is the testimony of all of us who have come to believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Because of the great commission, we have this great gift. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore, we have now been justified, made right with God by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So we have no fear of condemnation. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled, meaning restored to a right relationship to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that. We also rejoice in God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have been restored into a right relationship with a righteous God who, if it weren't for Jesus, our righteousness would be as filthy rags as best. And you really got to go and look up what the, the Hebrew understanding of filthy rags is. Trust me, it's filthy. And for the sake of the children, I will not describe the filthiness of that rag. But that's what our righteousness would be like before God. But because of Jesus, while we were those filthy rags, being willing to die for us, now we have the right to the tree of life. This is the great commission. This is our great gift. We have been reconciled to our Redeemer. And now no matter what you've been through, no matter what you have done, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, I really can't see the clock. I do not stage this for people to sit in front of it. But at this point, autopilot. So I'm just going to pause right here for just a moment and just let the Holy Spirit do what I feel he's saying in my heart. I don't know how many people in here know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But sometimes we take it for granted, right, that because you're in this room that you are saved. I've learned that that's not accurate. So before we move on to the great responsibility, allow me to fulfill this responsibility. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's not waiting for you to get right, to come to him. a matter of fact, you can't get right. You need him. And he has come to get you right through Jesus Christ. See, the great commission, now all authority has been given to Jesus Christ. And he has sent us out as believers to let non-believers know that you can become a believer through coming to Jesus Christ. So whatever it is that you think is so nasty, bad, and vile that you couldn't possibly be loved, I'm telling you, there's a God who loves you and who wants to draw you into his love. I'm going to share this uh, brief testimony because I experienced it for myself. Right? I don't know if I, I don't imagine I've shared it here before, but if I have, it's worth sharing again. I did not know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. At 25 years old, I was married, and I shouldn't have been, and I was in the deepest, darkest place of my life, and that is no exaggeration for effect. And I remember calling Joe Mar up. And telling her that she deserved to be with someone who can really love her. And this woman said back to me, you don't have the right to make that decision for me. I chose to love you. I felt like the disciples when Jesus told them to go to all nations. I was like, excuse me? Like, come, come again? Like, I've never heard anybody say that before. So you'd be willing to leave everything to come and be with someone who says that they're not, they're not able, they're not good enough? And it was that kind of love that I did not deserve that caused me to say whatever it is that would cause you to love somebody like that, I want to get to know. I want to get to know the Jesus that you talk about that would cause you to love me when I was at my lowest. And that's the kind of love that Jesus did to the nth degree. To leave heaven and come to earth to die for the sins of the world. People that would reject him, spit on him, beat him, and crucify him. And he says, come. 
Come to me. I love you. Not when you get it right, but while you are a sinner, while you were weak. And that word weak means worthless, good for nothing, discarded, just weak and broken. He came. I pray that we could understand the beauty of this gift. And really, I I cannot truly paint the picture the way that I can see it in my head or feel it in my heart. But at least I pray enough for you to know that what I'm getting ready to say next, if you have come to know the love of Jesus Christ for yourself, this is not an option. The great commission that allowed us to experience this great gift now impresses upon us a great responsibility. And I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 17 through 20, and this should come on the screen as well. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone who's saved, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, understand here what we're getting ready to read in verse 19 is a two-part process to the ministry of reconciliation. It's what Jesus has done, and it's what we are called to do. And so here we see in 19, this is the ministry of reconciliation. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's God's part. And entrusting to us, anyone who's in Christ, the message of reconciliation. So the ministry of reconciliation is that Jesus Christ has died for the sins of the world and that we have been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. And verse 20 says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I am a messenger. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you then are a messenger of reconciliation. This reconciliation, this restoration to a right relationship with a really good redeemer. And now what do we do with this message? We take it to the least and the lost. We are ambassadors, representatives. We represent this great gospel. We show the love of God and we share the love of God with the least and the lost. And who are these least and lost? Are these those of the lost sheep of Israel? No, this is to the whole nation. So the commission continues, and we are commissioned. We are sent out in the authority of Jesus Christ to let others know that he loves them and he wants them to be his own. But we have a tension here. Just like the disciples, that Jewish culture that created that bubble that they thought could not be penetrated, the blood of Jesus burst all bubbles. And we have somehow managed to formulate our own bubbles. Right? We like the holy huddle. We want us for and no more. Listen to me and listen to me well. The church is anemic if it is not making an impact in the community with the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. We have not been left here. 
so that we can try and get the mansion, get the house, and get the big promotion. No, heaven is our home. If you can paint me a better picture than heaven, then I say let's pursue that. But if you can't paint me a picture where there's no pain, no tears, nothing but joy, and the full presence of God, then I'm going to trump you on heaven. And since heaven is our home, there's no better place. So then why, God, did you leave me here if you know that there's better for me there? Because I have a mission for you to do here. You are commissioned to take this great commission and share this great gift so that others can know the love of Jesus and their lives can be changed. I've heard about the woodland bubble. I like these little tree-like communities. I drove up here for the first time. I was like, there are no stores here. <laughs> I really thought that about the first three times, Joe Mar finally told me, oh, the signs are right there. You just couldn't see them because you were driving. I was like, oh. They just got everything tucked back in the trees. <clears throat> right? And so now people in the woodlands live like hobbits. They just go in their little hole like, okay, I'm just here. No, you know, I'm just going to. And then I'll pop out for a little bit. God work. Okay, and I'm going to just go back here. And, and now it's just, just, just in our own little world, in our own little bubble. And we're just going to be nice, comfy, and cozy. <clears throat> right? Because we got our trees around us. <clears throat> That's not what God has put us here for. He placed us here because the love of Jesus breaks through the trees. It tears down the walls. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no division. Right? And so I just want to really make this plain. Because we'll think about our cousin who should hear this message. And if you're here today, it's because God needed us to hear this message. We need to get out of our comfort zone and share the love of Christ with others. See, because in our context, the Western bubble, it's almost as significant as the Jewish bubble. There are people, and I've heard it in the body of Christ, and it should be a shame that anybody can speak such things. But to say that that person doesn't deserve to be saved, who in the world are you? Do you know who you are? I don't deserve to be saved. Right? And then we'll get on our high horse and think that the people on death row don't deserve to be saved. The people who are part of the LGBTQAI+, and they're going to add some more letters soon, don't deserve to be saved. Right? That the people who talk bad about my mother don't deserve to be saved. The people who cut me off in the street, I mean, it goes from high level to just, that person barely stepped on your sneakers. Why would you want to condemn them? I mean, we just get, so, we're so filled with anger. How, if you've experienced so great a love... Could you ever look at somebody else and say they don't deserve? And then you look at our nation. This is probably the kind of teaching where Sean just need to go on sabbatical for a minute because I'm going to probably get in trouble. And I'm good with that for the sake of the gospel. <clears throat> right? But judgment comes to the house of God first. We should be ashamed. We should be ashamed at the way the body of Christ treated each other. I mean, we were divided over masks. How sad. Is that all that it takes for the love of Jesus to stop going forward? We're divided over race. Is that all that it takes for the love of Jesus to not move forward? We're divided over how you voted. I don't put my trust in Trump or Biden. Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Listen, if the gospel can go forward with an emperor like Nero in place who was burning Christians at the stake, 
Do you really think Trump, Biden, or whoever else is next is going to stop the gospel? These minuscule things cause us to fall out. Churches split, and we're divided. The blood of Jesus binds us. Is it not strong enough to bring us together? How can we share this great commission and this great gift with others when we can't get along? And it might not be you, but I bet you know somebody like, yeah, I don't like them much with the way that they talk. Love them then. Love them with the love of Jesus. There's nobody in your sphere of influence that doesn't deserve the love of Christ. Listen, I did not plan on coming this strong. It's like, Michael, ease in. This is your first day on the job. I really, I really do try that. And every time I say, all right, Lord, I'm going to ease in. He said, I bet you you don't. And then here I find myself. <clears throat> right? But may we feel a little bit uncomfortable because this great commission should make us uncomfortable. Just like it made the 11 disciples uncomfortable. Are you getting uncomfortable for God? Are you looking to share the love of Christ with somebody who you know? I probably wouldn't even associate with them, much less visit them. But God loves them. And he has left me here to love on them. Listen, I don't know all that God has for us in the future, but I can promise you this. That as long as the Lord allows me to stay here, I bet you we don't sit here in this little bubble. Come on, some of the woodland bubble. You made that up. I came with my big gospel pen. We're going to pop this bubble. And we're going to go and infiltrate this city with the love of Jesus Christ. Because if we are truly going to answer the call and be a people who make disciples because he lives, then we need to talk to people who don't look like us, sound like us, smell like us, think like us. And while that sounds pretty and that may sound easy, you're going to experience nothing harder in your life. I'm going to close with this one picture that I had in my head. <laughs> Joe Mar, may you come up here with me? I'm sorry, I just saw your face. <clears throat> like, what is he about to do now? <clears throat> and again, I'm a, I'm a teacher at heart. And, and so I, I like illustrations. I'm a visual learner. <clears throat> this is my lovely wife, Joe Mar. <clears throat> this is good. Not, not too much because then she'll get upset with me because she got embarrassed. <clears throat> Jomar, as you can see, does not look like me. My parents are Haitian. Jomar's parents are Puerto Rican. I'm a male. Jomar's 100% female. How did the two of us come together and agree? I can, I can promise you it's not because we got married. The love of Jesus. The love of Jesus allowed me to reach out to somebody who does not look like me, sound like me. She smells much better than me. And now, because of the love of Jesus, we have other disciples that we're getting to pour into and raise up. And we've seen God do a great thing. It's been hard. We've had to have a lot of conversations to get to understand each other. But it's been beautiful. And now every relationship won't be a marriage relationship. So allow me to have one more example. Brett, can you come and stand next to me? This is my brother Brett. Some of you know him. And now here, I love Brett. There's not a harder working person that you want on your team. Brett told me, Michael, don't touch anything. Just do what you were sent here to do. I said, Brett, <laughs> but I at least need to move a bench or something. Like, that's my wiring. Now, Brett does not look like me, sound like me. And because I've been preaching for a little while, you smell really good. Thank you. <laughs> he does not smell like me. 
but Brett loves me and I love Brett. And we're going to sit down and talk to each other and get to know each other and understand one another's experiences and grow to see the beauty and the complexity of God in ways that we could have never done if we stayed in our little hobbit holes. And so all I believe that God has set the stage for me to tell you is this one thing. If your sphere of influence does not look like this, people who do not look like you, sound like you, smell like you, or think like you, I just ask you one question. Are you really living out the Great Commission? If not, we need to pray and we need to make some changes because God did not leave us here to be comfortable and to try and just make it on our own. So one, one challenge, at least, if you need to repent, repent for just be, being comfortable and start to pray about being uncomfortable. And then if you got that, then I'm going to give you a different challenge. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you. And that doesn't quite seem to do it justice. Thank you for being willing to love us while we were weak unworthy, worthless, damaged goods, yet you saw value. You said, I love you, and I call you to be my own. Holy Spirit, would you please embolden and empower us to live love out this way, that we would go beyond the comfort zone, that we would go past the bubble, and that we would look to share the love of Jesus with those who look different, sound different, think differently than we do. That they might hear the great commission, this good gospel, receive this great gift and experience your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We thank you, Lord. Amen.